So we're in Ayin Beis, Volume 1, Chapter 22, Page Lamed A, 35. This is the middle of Discourse Number 5, Korach. I'm sorry, Number 6, Korach. So I want to just elucidate, elaborate on something we're in the middle of discussing here. Just to put things into context, we're in the midst of a discussion about Eupnimi, dissecting what's called integrated or internalized energy, which is the structure of existence. So using first the analogy of human faculties, Rebbe Rashab moved after chapters 2, 3, and 4. Human faculties moved into the nimshal, which is, that this all this is an example or a reflection, a mirror image of the so-called divine structure, which is structured like the human, which is created in the divine image. I went to elaborate discussion of how Atsilis is the other alien, is the supernal human, which means essentially the divine structure, the cosmic structure. And it too consists of like faculties of energies and containers that are tailored for each other. And then began to explain that Atsilis has a dual prop, dual personality, almost like a split personality. On one hand, it's a revelation of that which comes before it, meaning it's not a new entity. It reflects the divine. Kilia Helen is those words. And on the other hand, it's Yeshmai. There's something which is distant from the divine, even more distant than Asiya is from Asilis, than uh, our reality is from Asilis. So how do you reconcile? So generally, the reconciliation is that Asilis has energies and containers. The energies, energy, Ur, is Me'en Hamoyer, so it's similar to and reflective of the source. It's transcendent in its personality. And Kalim are created, they're also divine, but they're divine creations, but they're created in a way that they're not conscious of their source, meaning that they are distinct identities. They're Nivdil, as he puts it. So there you have the containers are distant and the energies are close. But then he goes further and says, no, even the energy itself um, has an element of it because you still say it's 10 spheres. And he makes it very clear that he's going to the, according to the opinion that these spheres are also the energy. They're not just like a liquid in colored glasses. So how do you, so how do you, so then you, therefore you have to say that in the, in the energy itself, in Atsilis itself, you have both elements. There's the energy as is blima, pshitus, which means it's formless, shapeless. In that sense, it's similar to its source. And then you have the element of spheres in, this, in, in the energy. Of course, it's relative, relative to the containers, it's shapeless, but relative to what's higher, it has some form. And he discusses different explanations of how that, is, that, that exists in the like abstract seichel, shmai vavtayin, how shamei and hillel, even though they're containers, this one's chesed, this is gvura, but they, when they go back to the source of the idea, that idea can contain both possibilities. The different explanations for it that he does. That's why there's exchange of reversal of roles. So now we have the also the energy has two elements. There's a part of the energy that is a Gilead Helen. And there's a part of the energy that is like something new complete compared to the divine. But to understand this further, it goes into the root of the energies. 
The root of energies are also rooted in a place called esospheres agnosis, the ten hidden spheres. Ten. And not like the Padas that says this is the root of the containers, this is the root of the energies. So right there you have that the energy that is revealed is revealed after the Tzimtzum, and that's that has relatively some shape and form relative to what's higher, is rooted in the ten hidden spheres before the Tzimtzum. Not in the way of Yeshma'in, because they have a similarity. There's already ten, some type of ten before the Tzimtzum. So the point that the whole point, the whole elaboration here is in order to explain this similarity, this cl- closeness. But compared to the infinite light, with his spheres and kets, infinite amount of spheres, or a level that's even higher than the, con- the entire concept of spheres, there even energy is yeshma'ain and is more is distant from there, more distant than our reality is from Atsilis. Now, just one for the record, as we mentioned several times, the ten hidden spheres is like Atsilis the Clawless. So in a certain way, the root of the energies of Atsilis the Pratis is itself called Atsilis, which is explains, of course, the idea, therefore, there's a similarity between these two Atsilis. The second point is that, the, that this, what, we, what, what I just said till now, is based on, obviously, sources that speak about the ten hidden spheres. But now to understand to appreciate and understand what does it mean that before the Tzimtzum there are ten spheres, that's where we've been learning now the last few chapters. We're trying to understand how it's in its source. We're not talking now how it's in Atsilis. Atsilis too needs explanation, but there, it's after the Tzimtzum, it's at, at the end of the day, it's still in our in, within our reality. Okay. So to understand it, he makes it very clear that you really can't understand it. You just know that it's, it's, it's there. And basically, basically, trying to understand how it is on the lower level can give us some glimpse. Because if you say in Atsilas there's 10 spheres in the energy, and it's root there's 10 spheres, so yeah, you can just make the equate and say, hey, just like there's 10 spheres that are relative to the containers in Atsilas, why not just say the 10 spheres before the symptom? But it's not so simple. Because before the symptom is a different reality altogether. So the question that's been asked to me is, so why we, how can we talk about it before the symptom? And why are we talking about it at all? The answer is, it's a very good question. Because internalizing before the symptom seems to be a, 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 um, a, uh, a, uh, an impossibility. Because the whole point why there's a symptom is because we can't exist in that energy. When that energy is is is, uh, is uh, flowing freely, that's why there was a symptom. So how can we, after the symptom, go back there and just talk about it? Yeah, so we can talk about it. Like I said, we can talk about living on the sun as well, but you can't live on the sun. If you live in the sun, you burn up. So we theorize what it would be like, etc., etc. But it wouldn't be like anything. Once you went to go there, you you don't exist. You stop existing. Yet. We still talk about it because, number one, the Torah tells us things about it. God can tell us, reveal himself. He can reveal parts of himself that we can't speculate on, but once he reveals it, we know. And as the Rebbe Rashab said on top of page 30, he said that, that in truth, it's higher than comprehension. But it's nirav and nirgish, 
could sense, you could sense, you could feel some type of intuitive feeling, chusha with our seichel, that there's uni, you know, unity. In other words, we may not be able to relate to it or not to internalize it, but it's clear that there's definitely unity before the Timson because that we know for sure that everything is encompassed in the divine unity there. The fact that there's ten spheres is the Chiddush. So ultimately, how we understand ten spheres is what he's been trying to explain here. Now, before I even go further in, in reviewing what we learned and what we'll continue learning, ultimately, the reason that we talk about it is, number one, because God did want to reveal parts of himself. Number two, we have to remember, after the Tzimtzum, the calf could return, and does bring us a message from before the Tzimtzum. Yes, a distilled one, a diminished one. So if there was only a Tzimtzum, and the Tzimtzum conceals all of reality, meaning all of divine reality, and that would be it, there would be a disconnect. But the Chiddush of the Arizal is not just that there's a Tzimtzum, not just there's a concealment, there's also a ray of light, a transmission, as the Rebbe Rashab emphasized, Chazur V'hoyer. It returns. The word is Chazur V'hoyer. The Afridic Rebbe writes in the Kutid, says in the Kutid Diburim, that Chazur V'hoyer was a Chiddush from his father in it. He doesn't say what the Chiddush is exactly, but it could be that's what he's referring to, what it says here. Chazur V'hoyer means it has something from before. So it's bringing us a message, the mere fact that the Kav has pierced the symptom and coming from, and it's rooted in the energy before the symptom. It's not rooted in the symptom. The symptom has impacted it. And as we'll be soon learning, and as we've been learning, that the symptom impact on the Eir Hagvul is only in a form of diminishing. It's only the Eir Hagvul, it's only the infinite light that is completely concealed, it's real siluk. Why? Because since there's some type of essence, and some type of root in its most subtle form, so at the end of the day, it's a complete symptom, but the impact, the kav is ultimately reflecting something from before the symptom. Later we'll learn that, the, he learned the said also, earlier also, primis hakav. If you recall, he brought from uh, from Eitzus Chaim, he said that that's the primis hakav, that it, it brings an energy with his altogether before the symptom. Bottom line is the kav is an agent, like all air is. So as much as air will assume properties of spheres, Remember, at the end of the day, it's not a caliph. It, it, it retains its personality of transcendence. As a matter of fact, in Kabbalah, so this brings it, the Kav will not go all the way down to Asiya. In our world, the Kav is not reached. What we have is a reflection of a reflection of a reflection of the Kav. The Kav ends at the end of Atsilas, which means, tell me, sometimes comes to tell you something. In our world, we barely have a glimpse of energy or light. We need to work very hard. It's an agnostic world. It's a very airtight world. You can convince yourself that there is no godliness here. In Atsilas, there's no such illusion. In Atsilas, Aries and Kali know they're divine. They just have different personalities. The Aries is transcendent, and the Kali is Chesed and Gvur. But in our world, Chesed and Gvur, fire and water, can feel completely disconnected from any source. We can, can, we can convince ourselves that we're self-made, which tells you that we're not really getting a glimpse of transcendence. Yet, because we have a soul, and the soul is near Hashem Mishmas Adam, it's a flame, we have a restless spirit, and we have transcendence in our personalities, and we do seek. And through Avedah, through work, we could ultimately see more and more. My point, however, is that the Kav did pierce the symptom and did bring into the reality post symptom 
a taste of an appetizer or, or some type of um, some type of perception of existence before the tzimtzum. Now, if there was no tzimtzum at all, like he keeps talking about, if there was no total concealment, the containers could never have emerged, and therefore the kav, just to leave a kav would not have been enough. But once there was a total concealment, once the teacher has completely silenced himself and has now allowed for a new paradigm, the paradigm of the student, an independent mind, to begin the process from the bottom up, then a thin ray of light can enter and begin bringing you messages from before the symptom. Slowly we acclimate and assimilate our minds to these ideas. As the containers expand, they can receive more from before the symptom. So even though initially we can't speak about before the symptom, the goal is ultimately that, yes, with, with slow work, we can begin to relate. So, we, so at the end of the day, living on the sun is impossible. But when Mashiach comes, like he says in Tanya, that God's revelation will be revealed. And he says, that our teacher will no longer cover himself. Today he needs to be concealed or else we would burn up. We would be annihilated. But because we refine the universe to the point that it receives first the lower levels of energy, then more and more, so think of it as the student who at the beginning had the teacher revealed himself, the student couldn't even exist. Once the student began to exist and his containers began to grow and through Torah and Mitzvahs, like he says in Tanya there, Torah and Mitzvahs help us refine and expand our containers. Where the containers receive more and more energy, we can begin to relate to an energy even before the symptom. And yes, in a way you can say, when Mashiach comes or in the future, in the ultimate future, we will be living on the sun and not get burned up. Because because of all the work that we did, which is, this is where, and that's where we will be able to relate to the reality before the symptom. But a critical precondition to that is that we have to have a symptom first. You have to first know how small you are before you, before you realize how great you can become. Because if you convince yourself, you know what, I'm not that far, then already you've deceived yourself. So it's in, and paradoxically, ironically, the more you recognize how distant you are from the divine, the more you become a container for it. In other words, you need bittel. So we talk about the Gilea Helm of energy. The Gilea Helm of energy teaches us how to be close to the divine, how to find a similarity to it. That we have, just like this Chesed and Gvura, we have Chesed and Gvura in our own spirits, fire and water. The Yesh Ma'ayin of Atzilus, or the Yesh Ma'ayin of Er, of energy, is it recognizes how distant it is and it needs a big symptom, and that itself, in many ways, makes us come closer. Like the explanation of a Havdalah. We make Havdalah between Shabbos and the weekdays. Havdalah sounds like a separation, but in truth, it's not. It's, it, that separation leads to unity. When you know that that Chil is not a weekday, that the mundane is separate from the holy, that allows the two to bridge. If you confuse those boundaries, then they cannot coexist because it's a complete distortion. So diversity, or distinction actually, ha helps create unity. So in this case, there are two elements that are, that are in our reality. The kav, or energy, on one hand it teaches us transcendence. It teaches us, um, well transcendence you could look in two ways. It's transcendence whereas we get closer to the divine because we go out of ourselves. But it also teaches us about the distance. The fact that the divine is beyond esospheres altogether. And that, and you need a total symptom for that, that also brings us closer 
through being distant, through recognizing that you can't see it directly. So, so therefore, the, so both these elements play themselves out in Atzilus, and this is how this is what is in the middle of the discussion. So now, so when we talk about the ten hidden spheres, you, 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 we have to work with the trepidation. It's different than we're not just talking. Okay, you know what? Just like we spoke in Atzilus, you know, it's it's so easy to turn this into a formula that becomes almost uh, um, be flippant about it. You know, he asked a question before. How could there be energy, uh, spheres in that silo, in, in the energy? And the whole explanation about the abstraction of seichel, how the seichel, how intelligence is abstract, and before it comes into the containers of Shaman and Hillel, it still carries the ability to both Chesed and Vodah. This is all not silos. So, you know, you could say, you know what? Apply the same thing to before the Simpson. No, he doesn't, that, you can't do that. We're not talking about the same level in a higher place. We're talking about a completely different reality. So, when, when he goes with Esther Sphere's Agnusis, you have to take a whole different state of mind and say, you know what, everything's being discussed now is much more Shem HaMushal. It's much more, like, we're trying to uh, relate to something, but we can't relate to it quite the same way. You know, with Shemayi Vavtan, all of us can relate to the idea that an idea can be abstract, and then it takes on shape and form. This happens to regular people as well. Or the, uh, some of the other examples he gave. <clears throat> Just going back for a moment. Give the example. Um, like when he said at the beginning of chapter 19, he says, Esoteric news doesn't mean they're just concealed and they can be revealed. They're fundamentally encompassed in a source. This is something we cannot relate to. Because if you're there, if you know that, then you're there. Or if you're there, you, you, you'll feel that. We are not side, we, we do not feel that we're inside any source. So how can we relate to the ten hidden spheres if we ourselves can never really be there? So the only thing we can do is extrapolate. Try it with our minds. Like he says, we can, we can, we can, he says, like he said, the explanation later, he said, um, this is according to our comprehension and understanding. So we try to extrapolate and we could we could extrapolate, but it's very critical to make the qualification. You're not just talking about something that's a little more abstract than Atzilus. You're talking about a different type of reality completely. Yet, because we are told there's ten spheres of Gnosis, we could say there's something there. Now, how? That's what he's trying to explain and try to discuss this at length here. Just uh, one second. So, in chapter 19. He gave the different examples. He spoke about how it is in, uh, in uh, the, the, the elements of fire and water they're in their root because they're in abstract form, in a nebulous form. They can, they don't, they, they, they can coexist. He spoke about the example from Seichel, from intelligence, like Shammai and Hillel. And then he spoke the example, of course, of the Shnefesh, how the faculties reside in the soul. This all comes to explain how they reside side by side because there, they're in such an amorphous nebulous state, you know, we call it an ethereal state, so they can reside side by side. And the question about how they converse their roles is, is, is not relevant right now. It's also part of the whole process, whether it's from the power of Atmos. But regardless, basically it's a nebulous state. So that we know. But we also know that the energies of Atsilas are a nebulous state. So what's the difference between Atsilas and Atsilas and Atsilas? Then You can't even compare them. So that's why it's critical not just to say, okay, you know what, we're just talking about all this on a higher level. It's actually completely different. And that's why he says 
We can only really speculate. And yet, and yet he still strives as much as possible with Seichel, because God blessed us with Seichel, with intelligence, and revealed to us some of these ideas and said, try to understand them as best as you can. So the Rebbe Rashad is definitely probing and pushing the envelope to go as far as we can go. But we have to remember always, we're talking about something that we could not exist if that energy was right now revealed. So that means, as far as we go, it's ultimately an abstraction. Now, Tzillus is also pretty far from us, but there, it's after the Tzimtzum. There is existence of this. There's a real structure. And as I said, even to abstract from a Gashmizdika apple to a spiritual apple, so to speak, a Ruchmizdika one, and then an image in your mind, that we can relate to. But then, to abstract from an image in your mind of an apple to what the next level of an apple would look like, that's already far, far harder to do. Imagine here we have to go layers, levels, and levels. So if you really want to internalize these ideas, we have to realize how limited we are. And I think once you realize how limited you are, you could actually begin to climb. Because then you say, okay, so you say, so fine, an image of an apple. What's beyond an image of an apple? Let's take you know, a computer program. You can go all the way to zeros and ones. But how many layers of programming today do we have from zeros and ones till, till basic, you know, basic HTML or, or, or some other languages that almost anybody can just... Or just not, not even the interface of just typing on a typewriter, and the programs are already, you know, setting in motion, generating the inner programs. How many layers? Let's say five. Would that be right? I don't know. What it doesn't? It's not a question of the number, but zeros and ones we also know are not the essence of it all. Yeah. Zeros and ones as close as we can to oh, find them. Yeah. So my point is, I'm trying to show that when you really start thinking about it, you know, how deep can we go? How, are there we know today there's, there's every object is made of elements. Elements, molecules. Molecules are made up of atoms. Atoms are made up of subatomic particles, different configurations. But then there's sub-subatomic, sub-sub-sub-sub. How far does it go? It's hard for a human being to even fathom. But by recognizing, humbly recognizing that we don't really get it, you begin to open yourself up to the possibility of another layer, another layer, another layer. Now, the process is here, exactly like I said with the teacher and the student. It takes time to expand. First, it takes stages. If you're a good teacher, you're not going to suddenly jump and say, let's talk about sub-sub-subatomic particles. The first step you'll say is, you know what, let's take a piece of wood. Let's tell you that this wood is made up of pieces, parts. H2O, water, is made up of hydrogen and two parts oxygen. So a person said, what's hydrogen, what's oxygen? I said, well, hydrogen and oxygen, they're not visible. But there are two types of gases, the two types of elements, and they're, they're, we, we can prove it, and you can show it. You can say, listen, let's evaporate water, and water becomes a gas, becomes a vapor. So you see there's something. What is this vapor made of? If you break it down further, how far can you break it down? So if you're teaching a beginner, what you want to first teach them is the first steps. First realize that what you see is not what you get. There's more. Then once you realize there's more, you say, okay, what, what is the hydrogen made of? Oh, hydrogen, you want to know what hydrogen is? Let's, let's go a step further. And then what is that made of? An atom is made of an electron, a, nu a neutron, a, a proton. And then you have the quarks, and you have the subatomic particles. My point is that there's no way that this can be done quickly. So the same thing is spiritually. The Rebbe Rashab is speaking all the way to the highest levels now, as a spiritual But if you really want to be honest, you'd say, you know what, first let me figure out what Ruchmis is. I know what Gashmus is, or I think I know what Gashmus is. Even Gashmus, as I just said, we don't even know. There's so many layers in Gashmus, in physical. So my point is that, you know, people learn this stuff, 
and we're learning it also, you know, we're just going chapter by chapter, I think it's critical to qualify that if you really want to get it, you got to stop and pause and say, one second, let me figure out what spirituality is. Or else you get the impression, okay, we covered Atzillus, now let's go to Esosuris Agnusus, the next thing we go to Atzmos, and everything is great, and we go back to our lives, and we don't have Mashiach. And the world hasn't changed. Why? Because it's all concepts. Concepts are meaningless. The internalization of this is how do you actually become a more refined person? And when you see a situation, you look not at the surface, let's see that silas within the situation. Let's see the er, not just the container. Let's see the esosphere of So I would say the real Evan Abaychen, the real litmus test of internalization would be that you and I, whoever is learning this, becomes more refined. You actually change your routines and behavior because you realize there's a deeper reality. And reality change and, and the whole perception changes. If that doesn't happen, you haven't even gone off first base. What's the point of learning about Ruchmis if it hasn't done anything to you to make you a more refined human being? Someone that looks that doesn't get angry at the same thing you got angry yesterday. Because that means you're still stuck in your own in your own place, in your own habits. So nothing's changed. So yeah, your mind went for a nice trip. You know, minds like to think, imagine, went for a nice trip. Who knows where? So it's true. This is not through foreign substances or psychedelics, but it's still an artific—it's still an artificial journey, because it just took your mind went somewhere that, and, and we enjoyed it. It comes back. Have you really? Has, has it opened your eyes? Have you? Do you see another reality? When you look out in the street, you see leaves and birds, and a street. You realize that there's a that all this is just a surface uh, interface that's hiding and concealing a whole different level of energy. So to be honest, that's really the, this is how this should be internalized. So obviously, however, we're trying to learn and cover the ground, but I think this qualification is critical. So this is, we just jumped into esosphere, psychosis, and so on. So yes, there's a certain uh, mathematical equation here. We're trying to understand, remember at the end of the day, the Rebbe Rashab is not coming to explain hidden spheres, he's coming to explain Atsilas, because he wants to explain how air community works. So he wants to explain how energy is both distant and close and then work his way back to the containers etc and how we but it's important that when we talk about the 10 hidden spheres that we know that we're talking about something that is a different reality completely but we have a glimpse there's a glimpse based on what's stated and also based on the Rebbe Rashab guiding us but we're far far cry where we are in reality someone who's living at esospheres and this level would not be able to waver for one second from what the, the source says. Because Esosphere news doesn't have anything besides the source. That's for sure we've learned. <laughs> so that means if you were Esosphere Sagnusis, and you really want to understand that you'd be a person who's completely aligned. Even Atsilis is completely aligned. But Atsilis, there's still an independent reality. Ten hidden spheres, there's nothing independent about it. The only thing is, and that's what we learned in the last chapter, so let me sum that up. So one thing that he did help us clarify, and I think this distinguishes between the ten hidden spheres and the ten spheres of Atsilas. But we know that both of them have ten. Both have pshittas. But the thing that he added in his last chapter, which I think is, is, is a critical point, is that when he speaks about, you know, he asked the question in the last 20, chapter 21. Okay, we understand how they're pshittas. Meaning that they're amorphous, they're ethereal, they can reside side by side. So that they reside by side Why? Because their contradictions and their 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 and their uh, so-called uh, what's the word their contrasts 
are only in the hispastus and seer hadover. They're only in the external dimension. Fire and water are a war in their, when they extend themselves and express themselves. But in their root, the root of the element of fire, the element of water, the archetype, there, as you explained clearly, there they, they can reside side by side. But, 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 there's a bit, but his concern here is a different one. How could you say that there are ten spheres and at the same time that they're pshittas? That they reside by side, fine. But ten spheres, as he makes it very clear, Okay, so, they can, so they, that's why they're not opposites. But how do you call them pshittas? Ten, hagbolo, pshittas are two opposites. Ten and, 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 and formlessness are opposites. Now, he doesn't answer now what he said before by Atzillus. If you remember in chapter... Um, yeah, in chapter 12, when he asks this question, he says... <laughs> He says, "Yeshlem shagam eres that soon some shachem and akav are not pshutim legamik. My pshutus eres itself. They're relative." And then he goes into the explanation that he gives. Uh, um, a different explanation that he gives, and then he goes, of course, to the explanation of Shama and Hillel, Achlifet Duchtayu, and then Shteikachal of Machshava. Basically, the different explanations that there's a state. Where relative to us, it doesn't have a shape yet, but it has shape. This is not what he's saying now. Remember, that's about a, a, a energies of Atsilis, as he says, they're not Pshitis Mamish, like Pshitis of Ainsof. But Esesphis and Muzis are living in Ainsof, and Ainsof is real Pshitis. You cannot say about before the Tsimtsum that it's just relative, because it's not relative. Before the Tsimtsum, what dominates is absolute, infinite, divine light, and there's nothing else there. And there you can't say relative. So you cannot answer that answer here in chapter 21. So what's his answer? So his answer is basically that when we talk about Ezra's spheres in, in, before the Tzimtzum, you're not talking about 10. So you're talking about how God wants existence. Shir in his In God, in God, in the so-called essence, wants to have existence. That's what spheres mean here. So we're not talking about a structure at all. It's a completely different answer. We're talking about if you can look into God's mind, there's not even a mind there. If you can look into God, how does God prepare the ground for later spheres to emerge? So there's something he wants. He wants something. And that want has some type of shape and form. But it has no shape and form because it's still all part of the essence. She so says, As soon as he wants a revelation, that's already what's called sphere. So sphere, basically, in this context, is like Oyer. And he says there's two types. There's a revelation that's infinite, and there's a that's which is infinite amount of spheres, and there's a revelation that has that has a finite structure. But because they're dvekas be'ere and sof, that's why these ten spheres are are completely pshitas, completely shapeless.
and he adds in the parentheses, Gilui alone, that God wants to reveal something that would manifest in infinite spheres. But because God wanted a structured existence, therefore there's, there, there, there's ten spheres. But this is all how the source envisions what's going to be coming later. Later, not in time, but in concept. Gave the example, this is like the flame inside the Flintstone. What's the point? There's no flame that's recognizable there. You can't even call it a flame. Will it come from the Flintstone? Yes, it originates from there. But within it, it's completely non-existent. In Atsilis, you can't say that. In Atsilis, you can say that relative to the containers, they're formless. But they themselves have certain chesed and vudu. So when talking about, let's say, Shmaya Vavtayim, those teachers who teach, and their abstract idea contains the possibility of Chesed and Gvur, that not, that's not before the Tzimtzum. You already have their teachers, you already have a concept, it's abstract, relative to where it's going to become later into Shammai and Hillel's containers, it's going to be called not Chesed and Gvur, but in the hidden spheres, we're not talking about abstract Tzeichel. We're talking here a state of real formlessness that's completely... In other words, it's all about the source and how the source is envisioning what comes later. And then he finally says, this is al-derech adam kadman. You see here again, he's using an example from after the tzimtzum. Which if you think about it, why is it, he's trying to explain before the tzimtzum, trying to explain before the tzimtzum with after the tzimtzum. Adam kadman is the primordial man that comes after the tzimtzum. But this just shows you that we really don't get before the tzimtzum. The only thing we can do is find examples. So one other example he uses, Adam Kadman. How could you say Adam and Kadman? Adam means a created entity, a structure. Kadman means uh, no sort, no, no beginning. How would you say that in English? Uh, Kadman means something was always there. You know, one is Chidush and one is Kadman. So the answer there is the same thing. That Adam Kadman, the primordial man, is not about Adam. It's how Adam stands inside the mind of God. We said God wanted to create the human being, the divine image. So an Adam Kamen is so-called how he's Mitzayar, how he envisions this Adam that will later emerge. So though it encompasses the concept, but the bottom line right now, it's all in a state of, of how it is in the source. So it would be like the architect or the artist envisioning what he's later going to shape and form. And how much more so, the ten hidden spheres, that's how he concludes the energy before the Tzimtzum. Even though there's ten spheres, they're completely formless, shapeless, and united as one. So we continue now, chapter 22. You want to ask something? This is the vision of Kadman. I thought that the, the key to understanding that was like, it's called as the first thought. That's the Makshava. Makshava Duduma, yeah. That's like the you know, Makshava, so that the revelation of the sacred to oneself. So that's like the first revelation of, of the idea of 
of the distance. And so it tells us that with the sea sense, there's no gravitation at all. That's it. Everything is covered and safe. I thought that was the key to understanding the universe. Well, he doesn't use the words Bakshava Gdumma, but. Uh, he says, does mention there's an Ibn Makshava, the first thought. I thought he mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is correct. What, uh, it is correct. I mean, he used Adam Khan, he says, Bakshava Gdumma, the Ak, he says, Zashamad, the image of Khazan, Khazan Khazan. Bakshava is Shaina, right? Yeah, 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 correct. So, so it's how, in the source, he envisions in his mind the all of existence. So, the, so, the, so that's why it's Kadman because it's Machshav Agdum. It's in, it's in the source, but within the source, how he's envisioning the structure, so to speak, the Adam. So it's not that the human Adam that we know is Kadman is has no has, has, has no has no beginning. Yeah. It's that the, the no beginning is envisioning the beginning. So to speak, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like when we talk about time, the way time stands within the divine, it, it's that's why we say there's no before and after, is something that is beyond time. He's envisioning six thousand years, or envisioning six levels or seven levels, and that ends up being six days of the week and one day Shabbos. For us, it's real time before and after that has a beginning. But in the source, there's no real beginning to the whole concept because the whole thing is a concept in, within him. So that's what Esosphere means on that level. Now, chapter 22, page 35. So based on everything I've been explaining, this chapter, this opening is very clear. In this form, the way these hidden spheres stand within atmos, meaning that they have no ten, it's only as they are within the so-called envisioning of the source of what is going to come, in that form and fashion, it's not possible for them to be transmitted this way into the worlds. Which means, because the worlds, Existence, the structure of existence. Even the highest of all worlds, the most sublime of all worlds, cannot receive, contain such a seamless, shapeless energy. So here you go. So he's talking about a level that we cannot contain. So of course it goes back to the question, so how can we talk about it? The answer is the Kav does transmit some of it to us. And first we talk about it, and then slowly we try to assimilate it into our systems. For So, one thing. The way they are in that state, there's no way that they can be transmitted into the world. Additionally, if they would be transmitted that way, the way they are in the divine energy, the infinite divine energy before the tzimtzum, they would have been transmitted all as one, all together as one. Like the hidden faculties within the soul. 
they all extend, they all express themselves, they all transmit it all together. Kiyudua, as it's known, the Kechis Agluyim, we talk about revealed faculties, not hidden faculties. The faculties as they are, the conscious faculties as we relate to them. The way they transmit, the way they manifest, is with an, an orderly fashion. In orderly and an organized fashion. With uh, what comes first and what comes second. means previous and later. Then the beginning, the first thing is the transmission of intelligence. And that followed by expression in feelings. The EF is You cannot have a revelation of what feelings without first a preceding mention of intelligence. Like it clarifies. What does that mean? What we see that people react emotionally to something without thinking. So he says, which means we're talking about midas emotions that are regulated by tam badas, by intelligence. We're not talking about wild, untamed, or uh, or um, impulsive emotions. Cannot have awakening of regulated midas that are coming up yisechel. In other words, a person reflects before they just jump. They're not just impulsive, and then that regulates or awakens uh, uh, emotions. So you can't have these awakening emotions about pitam v'das ki without first the proceeding of some comprehension first. So again, impulsive emotions happens all the time. People just see something they want and they go for it. They don't reflect at all. But we're talking about midisal, pitam v'das, emotions that come that are, that are regulated by intelligence. First comes the intelligence, then comes the feelings. First you research it before you jump. And the way it works, and he's explaining here how the whole thing comes in a very organized fashion. By contrast to the hidden faculties, the revealed faculties. So that's number one. That they have is an order. First comes moichin, intelligence, then comes feelings. But and specifically only after the revelation of intelligence ceases. The flow of intelligence, in other words, the, 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 the mind process ceases. That's when you'll have the birth of the emotions. The Be'es while the intelligence is reigning, while intelligence is, is dominating or revealed, you cannot have the revelation of feelings. I mean, again, well, let's talk in an organized fashion. A person, for example, is, um, you could even say dating, you're dating someone, which is a lot to do with feelings. But if you're a healthy person, you don't just jump based on whatever your impulses tell you. You're checking out the other person, you're trying to see, is this appropriate shirikh? So at this point, your mind is dominating, and 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 the emotions don't have yet a place to to to, to manifest because you're still so-called researching it. This is a healthy process. 
Obviously, unhealthy is if you only stay in your mind and never goes to the emotions. But if it goes too quickly to the emotions, it's also not appropriate. So I'm just giving an example, one example. Another example would be any type of decision-making process. First, you research. And while the moichin is strong, while you're still analyzing it with your mind, you don't really have, you don't leave really room for the mitis, the emotions to reveal themselves. So we see here that there's an order, a gradation, and there's a process. One thing comes first and another, and then one thing has to be concealed for the other one to emerge. And then the midas emerge. That's in Keiches Gluyim, in, in the revealed faculties. By contrast, when there's a revelation from the hidden faculties, it doesn't work this way. The In the concealed faculty level, it's called more, I'm going to call it unconscious, but the more hidden faculties, I will explain in a moment. During the time when the mind is revealed, you can have at the same time, simultaneously, revelation of feelings. And he's going to give an example. Like during a, uh, a simcha, a celebration. Regular conventional day, you don't necessarily have deeper faculties at work. You're functioning. It's a functional level. Functional level, like he said, is it, oh, there's a seder. There's an order. You think it through first. Then you, you process it. Emotions. But during a simcha, it's not a regular situation. Simcha, the joy and celebration of a wedding or other celebration, brings out, reveals hidden faculties that are usually quiet or silent. So when they so the by doing it in celebration, when the hidden faculties are revealed, their revelation is not with an order of what comes first and what comes next or what comes last. The basis is that during that simcha you could have the revelation of your mind, and at the same time could be feel the emotions could be flowing also. And also the intelligence is revealing them much more than it would regularly be revealed. As we see in reality, we see with our own eyes. That during a celebration, a person can conceive of very profound and very uh, very lofty ideas. So that's one thing. During the Simcha, you can conceive of very lofty, high, higher ideas. And many things that would not, that were not uh, resolved or were not fully comprehended. Usually, means wasn't fully uh, internalized. Didn't really get it completely. and didn't understand them. Is during the celebration, he comes to the it comes to understanding them. So we see here that it's not just a regular because regularly he didn't understand them completely. What's happening by the simcha? By simcha, there's some surge coming from a deeper part of the soul that's causing a whole different level of revelation in his mind. And why is this the case? Because because during this time, during the simcha, during the celebration, radiates and is revealed 
the inner and essence of the of the energy of Seichel. You're getting something from a deeper dimension, so it's flowing in, much, in a much stronger way. And nevertheless, at the same time, literally the same time, you could have also a full revelation of feelings. And they too are in full intense revelation. They're fully in, in, intensely being expressed. And they are not mavalbal, they don't confuse, they don't disturb the flow of the intelligence. So in other words, besides the fact that the, the, the meichen is flowing in a, in, a, in a much deeper way, in a much freer way, the other faculties, the emotions, could also come out also intensely, and they're not mavalbal. They all come together. Like you see someone dancing at a simcha. I'm talking, of, I'm talking obviously a person who's, uh, uh, who has intelligence and has middas. So you see, they can be speaking and saying things that are much deeper than they've ever said. They could be dancing and celebrating. The joy is all there. It's all happening together in a very non-organized fashion, meaning it's not structured. Okay, let's do this first and then there's this. What's the reason for this? Is because on the level of the hidden faculties, they're not receiving from one another. There, they all receive and are all drawn from and transmit from the essence of the soul. Like similar to what he spoke earlier about abstract, that if you go to the structure, so the structure, everything has its place. Chesed is in its place. Kvur is in its place. But as soon as you go to a little deeper, deeper level of where the, the faculties come from, they are like you know. Here's a, even a, they are much closer to the pshitas. They're much closer. They're much closer to the source, and therefore they flow in a different way. Think of it like this: it is a deep well of water. So if you're close to the well, the well's intensity, or let's say uh, a spring of water. That's at that point, even though the water is going many different directions, it's almost all coming from the same source. It's when it's a river, it's turned already into a river and the flow is much more diminished. So then each you could have different paths and different branches that that branch out from the original spring of water. But when you get closer to the source where everything is really flowing full intensity, the closer you are, the more the flow is not is not is not organized. It's when there's a diminishing. Like, you know, examples I've given with conscious, unconscious. is the faucet, the filter, that allows a flow to come step by step. But you get away from the diminishing part, and you get closer to where, where it's flowing from. So then, Meich and Amidus are both now receiving straight from the source. So that's what he's, how he's explaining it. So it's not just that the hidden faculties come out and everything is just happening. It's because you're right now receiving from a place that's closer to the source. Um, and when it's closer to the source, it's the source is what dominates. And that's where they all come out as one. And that's why there's no order and structure. And they all come flowing as one. Now he's going back. All this is coming to explain, if you recall, in the beginning he said two things. That if the ten hidden spheres would transmit exactly as they are, in the form they are before the tzimtzum, they could not 
enter the worlds. Because it's too, it's too um, formless, it's too pure. Additionally, if they did flow from there, they would all flow as one. There'd be no structure altogether. They would overwhelm any structure of existence. So now he's bringing it back to the... So, and the example he gave for that, for number two, was like the hidden faculties, they all flow together. So if we did not... If, if faculties would only come from Kirchus and Elamin, we'd never have a structured system of intelligence and feelings. In other words, if you were besimcha all the time, what would be happening is the faculties would be flowing without any real order. So now he's going and saying like this. This is an example. And, and similar to this, the example, this is an example, similar to this, Yuvan will understand, Lamaila will understand above. What's Lamaila? So this was an example, Lamata, down below. The S spheres are gluyas, the ten revealed spheres after the Tzimtzum. Hamshachasam will be said the Ba'adraga. They transmit in an organized fashion. Before and after. What comes first, what comes next. Kedima means before, Ichum means after. The Betchila, the Tchila, who I'm shocked is Gaal Samechim. He's now talking the Maila, how it is in the spheres. So similar to what in the beginning of the Hamshach, where he talks about first the faculties, he's using the faculties as an example. Because remember, the human being was created in the divine image. So our faculties function the same way as the divine structure of the supernal man in Atzillus also function this way. So Tchila first comes, Hamshach is B'zgalos The first is the transmission and the revelation of cognitive faculties, of intelligence. The Hainu Atzillus B'chinus Chachmu Bina. The first thing is the emanation of Chochman Bina. Um, and from Chochman Bina, wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and understanding. Netzal Zo emanates Zoyer Ampin, the small face, which is the Kabbalistic term for the six mitas. Chesed Vur Tefers Netzachayid Nusayit. The Dafkel Achish Shemismayit Ha'ed Chochman Bina. And only, so the so first thing we know is there's an order here. First comes Chachma Bina, then comes Midas. And only specifically after there's a diminishing of the energy of Chachma Bina, of the intelligence, Netzel B'chinezah. Only after the diminishing, then there's the emanation of the Midas, of Zah. Kumashikosavimokamachal, it says elsewhere. Because, why is this the way, why is, the case, why is this the case, like you said before, in the example, is because these faculties, these energies, these levels, are extend and transmit, they extend and transmit to one another and are received from one another. And therefore, it compels them, you have to say, it's inevitable that there'll be a structure to the way they transmit because they're transmitting, they're, they're connected to one, they're dependent on one another. But the ten hidden spheres, the ten hidden and concealed spheres in the infinite divine light before the symptom, they are not. Transmitting and drawn and received from one another. 
Rather, all these ten spheres are drawn and transmit from the essence of the divine light. So that's a major distinction. Now, according to the previous chapter, it's very clear why. Because before the symptom, all that all that matters is the divine will, is how it arises in the divine plan. So what's the difference between Chachma, Bina, Chesed, There's no difference there. They're all only for here one thing, what the divine Ratzon is. So yes, there are ten, because that's what he wants. But it's about the, the Ratzon is more important than the, the, their, their shape and form. Whereas in the Gluyas, like in the, like in the concealed faculties, Whereas in the revealed faculties, there the focus is the structure. This one receives from this one, this one receives from that. Now he says, Before he said, Okay. So if there was a revelation of these fundamental, essential ten spheres, the way they are on their own, they would all reveal as one. The second point he was making before. And all of them would be with intense energy and revelation. In a way that they would at all not be able to be integrated energies, internalized, integrated, in a form where the energies manifest and dress up into the containers. And also, there would have been absolutely no, there would be at all no stalshus, no order. It's interesting because it began by saying if there's a revelation of this, the way they are, they couldn't even come into the worlds altogether because the worlds cannot contain this. And here he's emphasizing more that even if they did transmit, they would transmit in a way where everything is like one, full intensity, and now he's adding no stalshus. There'd be no erpenimi, no areas of killing. He's just going to show you how the extent he's going to say how it's not possible that they can exist the way they are in our reality. The reason I guess he's saying the second part because is if they're mere and if you need a symptom, then their mere energy will destroy your annihilate existence. Why is he talking about that even if they were there, it would be without order? It's something much stronger. They wouldn't existence couldn't be there. I think because he's leading up to want to say. At the end of the day, the areas after the symptom are only a diminished state of the areas lifting at symptom. Because they are, at the end of the day, ten hidden spheres. So that's why he's saying that even if you were to argue that you only have to hide the, the infinite light, but the finite light only needs to be diminished, it still would be completely, that's why you need to have a symptom. That's what it sounds like he's leading up to. That even that part of them that does have some relationship to what is afterwards, if they shone, shine bright, brightly without any limitation, they, they, you wouldn't have anything that we know of existence. Mm. So there's two elements going on here. We'll, we'll elaborate. Let's see how, we, how this uh, plays itself out. Mm-hmm. So now he's adding, there also would be no stalsons because the spheres would not evolve from one another. Mishtal Shulim is like sometimes like a, a chain. They would all be receiving. Rather, they would all be receiving and extending and transmitting from the infinite divine light equally. 
Because we said, on that level, they all receive equally from the source. And now he's adding another thing. So the first thing, there'd be no order. They would not receive from one another. There would be no air pnimi, eris and kelim. There'd be no hishtalshlus. And now there's no hishtalshlus. Hishtalshlus means interconnectivity. Well, Kaneda, why would there be interconnectivity? You could argue one second. You may have nothing else, but interconnectivity you'll have because they all now are one. So he explains. Well, Kaneda, like it's known, the hishtalshlus has that the interconnectivity of the spheres. One receiving from the other, and one with the other. Is only possible when they are finite in parameters and defined and manifest in containers. There's no iskalus if there's no containers. The idea that everything is just amorphously one is not iskalus. Iskalus means when everything works together, there's a bunch of details and they all work and they all are um, symbiotic. They all work as a symmetrical uh, force together. But in faculties that are unlimited, you can't talk about it. It's not, it's not possible to have iskalus there. Because they're all one. They're not, they're not separate things that are functioning together. It's not a functioning machine. Like it says elsewhere. Okay, fine. So he established now what all this energy would be like shouldn't manifest. It would all manifest as one. There'd be no order. There'd be no erpnimi. There'd be no shtalshus. There'd be no eschalos. So now he's saying, This, however, was not the purpose of the source. The purpose, the kavona, the intention of Hamaitzel, the emanator, Borachu, may he be blessed, meaning God. The source of the emanations. That's why he uses Maitzel. The Kavonas HaMaitzel, the intention, the purpose of the source, of the emanator, is that there should be an energy that is internalized, integrated. And and manifest, each one should manifest and dress inside energies within containers, Dafka specifically, and there should be an order, how one evolves from the next, interconnectivity, as it says elsewhere. So all this that we just spoke about, what would happen if the hidden faculties or the hidden spheres would emerge, would radiate the way they are, is not a due purpose. It's against the purpose. It, contra- it counters, it contradicts the purpose of existence. And that's why there was a tzimtzum, a concealment in the infinite divine light, in the root of the energies, not just in the containers, for the containers, but also the root of the energies. So that they should transmit specific spheres and they, they should not be all mixed all 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 mixed together and unified in one place remember that's what he was talking about before which was all about his service the way it's in the source and then even deeper that is pshitus. so there's a few things there's his service is that they reside all kinds of things together opposites as well
because it's in a, a type of uh, ethereal nebulous state. But uh, but and then there's the pshitas even deeper because it's all the way the higher purpose wants it. The way this it's all in the source. So the tzimtzum is in order for there to be able to emerge individual spheres that are not all mixed in one big chant, one big soup, primordial soup. Giving an example, like in the level that's chachma that's encompassed in the hidden spheres, and from there should extend, should transmit a revealed state called chachma. A distinct entity, distinct personality, chachm. And it should extend not just that there should be chachm, but it should come as a distinct entity, and And should not be mixed with another sphere. By transmitting it, by an emanating as a specific chachm, that's when it's chachm. That's through this the Chachma becomes recognizable, distinct. To be Eira Chachma. It's the energy of wisdom. This doesn't mean that it, God forbid, is completely, um, should recognize itself as being self made. Heket Atzmi. Oh, one second, I got it. See that's what it means. Oh yeah, okay. And not that it should become so independent that it recognizes itself as it's like a self-contained entity, a self-made entity. So it has to be distinct, but it still knows that it's coming from it's not its own. Not that it becomes so independent that it becomes it becomes it changes the personality compared to its root and source. So he's speaking about both ends of it. On one hand, it needs to be distinct. On the other hand, it's still Chochmah. That's rooted in Chochmah, the hidden Chochmah. So you see what he's saying here? That you, you need the hidden faculties because they are, a, there is a state of hidden Chochmah. But in the state of the hidden state, it cannot express itself the way the Kavanah, the intention is. On the other hand, when it does reveal itself, it has to reveal itself as an extension of the Chachma that was concealed, not as its own entity. So not suddenly some new new creation. It's Gilead Helam, as he's going to explain. It's revealing that was which was there before. So it's not a change of personality compared to its root and source. Because it's exactly the same Chachma, the same wisdom, as it is in its source. The only difference is that now the diminishing of the symptom allowed it to manifest. So what's the distinction? If it's exactly like the source, what's the difference between revealed and the concealed? Between the as the spheres are glorious, the revealed ten spheres and the hidden ones. By becoming separate from, being being like separated from the others from the other spheres, in his and it's revealed from its source. It has become a distinct, recognizable entity, level. In the parentheses, he now continues to distinguish. The parentheses goes to the end of the chapter, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So now he's going to distinguish if this is the case. So then what's the distinction between the energy of Chochmah and the Kali, the container of Chochmah? So he's going to say like this. The aims that come be savas are This process of how from a hidden energy becomes revealed energy is not like the formation or the coming into being of containers. That was explained earlier, chapter 10. Chapter 10, and he explained how the containers came to be. So this is different. The Yesh Lamer, because you can say, because you can say the containers compared to how they are in their root and source in the infinite power the way it is before the tzimtzum the containers are completely infinitely distant with the energies. Even after the tzimtzum, they're not infinitely distant from their root and source. The tzimtzum's impact on the energy was only that they should be revealed and it should be distinct. There should be a distinct separate entity called Er the symptoms through the symptom it becomes a distinct entity and a diminished state of revelation diminished but it's still so it's not necessarily infinitely distant but Indian who and now he explains it what is the Indian in this the revelation meaning once it's revealed once you diminish the light you hit conceal the light so the revelation of this distinct entity causes it to become a mitzvah sadova. Scholars gave him a Revelation causes something to become a, a an entity, a, a being. And even if there was a revelation, the way they were all as one in the hidden faculties, it would still be recognizable entity. Like we said before about a simcha, when there's the revelation of the essential faculties, there's a revelation. They're just not organized, and they're all not, uh, they're, they're, not they're coming off from the same source, and they're not the shtalshels and the scholars and so on. But there's a revelation compared to, and they're, and they're recognizable revelation. Compared to way, let's say, before the simcha, or when a person is asleep. So we're not talking here that there's no revelation at all, and there's no faculties functioning. That's an example. Same thing with the spheres. If they were all revealed, this is why he's explained, he explained this at length. If they were all revealed, it wouldn't annihilate the faculties. They just wouldn't function the way their purpose is, which is in the erpnimi and an order. So they would be they would be existent. It's understood, self-understood, moving, it's understood that they're not a is the way they would be when the revealed faculties reveal one by one in an organized way, first Meichin, then Midas, first intelligence, then emotions. 
but they would but there would be a manifestation of faculties but then they would have an, an, an abundance of energy and through the tzimtzum, which causes there should only be a revelation of one sphere at a time, or one sphere on its own, they're diminished. So this you can call diminished, but you can't call it infinitely distant. If the of the containers, however, would be revealed, the containers could not exist. That's what he's leading up to. Like the example of the light and 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 uh, and rays of the sun, as they are in the sun, which is in Shaykhudamuna, in Tanya. He explains the should be That if there are rays of light that go out of the sun, then how much more so are they even more intensely within the sun? With an with with a an abundance of energy of light, and when it's revealed, and when it's revealed outside of the sun, the body of the sun, the light gets diminished, and that's why you can see light. So in the sun, the light is completely absorbed and overwhelmed, or or, or completely encompassed within the, the the power of the sun itself. That's not a shini mahus, however. The diminishing of light that allows the spheres to emerge one by one, individually distinct, is not a shinim There's no change, fundamental change in the personality of Chachma. It's still Chachma. This energy that comes after the symptom is, is hu hu. That is the same energy that was there before. Like I mentioned before about Chazer V'hoyer. It returns. So so we conclude from this, we, this so we see from this, that the recognition of the sphere of that comes through this division, through this breaking apart, separating the spheres. is not only in its fundamental essence that it should be recognizable, distinct it's also in a form of diminished energy. And through this it becomes an energy of chachma, of wisdom, that can then manifest and dress itself inside of, afterwards inside of a container. What's he adding here? What it seems like he's adding here is that it's going the other direction. Okay, so what he established here is that the ten hidden spheres, the way they are before the tzimtzum, cannot be revealed the way they were in the worlds. Because even the highest worlds cannot receive such an energy. And then he elaborates, that even if they were revealed, they would be revealed in a way that would not, they would all draw, be drawn as, they would all extend, express as one. There'd be no shtalshas, there'd be no scholars, there'd be no erpnimi, there'd be no, the purpose of existence could not be fulfilled. Like he says, like the hidden faculties that come out during a simcha, during a celebration. But this doesn't mean, okay, so what do you need to have? You need to have that there should be a diminishing, that simpson that allows the faculties or the chachm, the spheres, to emerge as distinct entities. 
But this doesn't mean that the Chachmas changes his personality. It's still coming from that concealed fact. Just like the 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 the, 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 the Chachmah that's revealed during the Simcha is not, not Chachmah, it's Chachmah, it's wisdom. But it's coming with abundance, without any regulation, without any filters. So you need to have the filters for it to be distinct. And you also need not just to be a distinct entity, but it should be a diminished dimension. So that's what he's adding here. That is distinct and is diminished. And they're probably interdependent. <laughs> it gets distinct because it's diminished, and it's diminished because it's distinct. So that's what he established here. So in Kitzur, the summary. I'm sorry, let me just say this. However, when it comes to the containers, he's saying in the parentheses here, the containers, you can say, are infinitely distant. So remember, going back to the original theme, <coughs> you're speaking about Atsilis. Is Atsilis Gilead Helam or Yeshmaim? Is Atsilis a revelation of the divine? Or is it an identity of its own fulfilling the purpose of existence? And the answer is the, co- the containers are identity of their own. They're Yeshmaim. The energies are Gilead Helam because they reveal the transcendence and they reveal their source. Then he spoke about the energy themselves compared to the source of the energy of the finite energy they're reveal compared to the infinite energy there's something new the containers however compared even to their source before the symptom are infinitely distant the energies is saying here are not infinitely distant it's only a diminishing of in order for it to create a distinct entity well so what we really have here is that there's two ways of looking at a distinct entity a container of chachma does not have the ability to change personality to become something else, like we spoke about Chesed and Vur. Energy of Chachma retains its divine personality because it's transcendent. It senses its source. That's the distinction. And you need both. So really, when you talk about the distinction of existence, existence as it has shape and form, the containers is the real defined shape and form. The energy is the energy of shape and form, but it still retains a certain ethereal state that connects it to its source and then there's the energy that's infinite spheres or infinite altogether no spheres at all and that's a completely different level that everything is infinitely distant from so to understand the difference in containers and energy you have to understand two levels really of, of ethereal nature because we're talking kalim of Atsilas again we're not talking about kalim of elam hazard anyway We'll elaborate more as we go along. Kitzur, summary. If there was a revelation of the hidden spheres without a concealment, without the tzimtzum, they would have all been revealed all as one without any organ organization of before and after. Without a hierarchy, there'd be no hierarchy. And within abundance of energy they would not have been internalized energy and there would be no no cosmic order no evolution stages is the whole structure that's based on a structure of and that's why that this is what was necessitated the symptom and what's the union of the symptom? What does it function? What does it do? Hushi is galus fides pratis. 
it causes that there should be a revelation of distinct spheres, individual spheres, like the sphere of of wisdom on its separately. And through this revelation, it becomes a distinct entity and in a form of diminished energy. It's diminished. So two things, it's distinct and it's diminished. Okay, with this we conclude chapter 22 in pages 35 and 36.